All right. We are live again here, sitting down today with uh, Eric Sutter. We've done a podcast before, Eric, uh, but it's been, what, a couple years it's ago? Been a couple years, Cody. A couple years. Uh, you're the race director for the Open Range That's right. gravel race that happens about every year now. Had it a, almost didn't happen, <laughs> what, <laughs> two close. years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago, ago there was moved. a lot of cancellations with right. the COVID, and, but you guys found a way to... Yeah to make it happen. Um, so yeah, it's always fun to sit down Definitely. and kind of see what's new coming up with the race. Yeah. Um, what you've been up to, there's some changes this there year are. that some people will probably be excited to hear about. Yeah. So, um, but before we get into the whole race type of thing, you know, we were kind of yeah. talking earlier, just really a bit about your background sure. and we went over it a little bit on the first podcast mm -hmm. we did. Um, but you've got kind of a, an interesting background and, um, how you got into kind of the, planning of the mm -hmm. race and what mm -hmm. made you want to do that. And um, so let's kind of start with, you know, you were a Pratt yeah, High graduate for right. anybody not familiar with, with you and Pratt. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's always good to have a, you know, fellow greenback. Right. We played football yep, together and, right. you know, that's people say it, you know, once a greenback, always a greenback. It's not a, like, that's not just a no, tagline. It is a real deal. You know, right. it's, it's pretty unique. So that's, that's a fun yep. uh, commonality we have there. But after that, you went on to K-State and kind that's of right. take us, take us from there. Yeah. So, um, like I said, you know, went to Pratt High, uh, graduated in 99, and, uh, you know, the last hard class that went through. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, went to went to K-State after that. Um, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to major in there. Uh, I thought it was going to be engineering, and turns out I just didn't have the uh, the mental aptitude to, to take some some math and science classes. So we, uh, we switched to a, a soft science and did uh, criminology, sociology at K-State. Uh, the Army actually paid for my uh, my almost entire schooling there. So, um, I just had to do, uh, you know, a couple years for them afterwards. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I learned, um, you know, really learned, uh, yeah, I don't know about the sociology or, or criminology side of things, but, uh, you know, had a good, good time there at K-State. Where, where did you, you know, yeah. you did the ROTC there that helped yeah. with college. Where did the initial drive to drive? even get oh, into man. the services begin? Or do you, do you remember? Yeah, no, I, th I think I do. You know, my family kind of has a history of serving, um, my father was in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy. Uh, I had an uncle in the Navy. Um, of course, they wanted me to go into the Navy. Uh, I just couldn't see staying on a ship for, you know, nine nine months at a right. time. So, um, so I think that that desire to serve uh, probably came from them. Uh, you know, my dad was a, a pastor, and my mother was a nurse. So both kind of service related fields. Um, so I'd say, yeah, my parents were probably the the kind of the driving force um not forcefully of course just you know just the way they lived and everything right and, uh, or the way they they live um and that just caused me to i think want to do that service you know sort of something greater than myself right um and so yeah so uh so when i was in high school i got a um an application to apply for rotc scholarship and uh, i remember going up to the high school and in the is in the counselor's office and you know pulling it out and filling it out over uh i think it was uh off his Thanksgiving break or something like that and getting it all, you know, all finished up. And and then you submit it, you go interview, and and um, uh, finally, I think man, it was probably January or February, I found out you know, I got the scholarship. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, so it was a federal scholarship, which meant I had to go active duty afterwards. So, um, so yeah, it was good, uh, good experience. Um, the ROTC program was, was a great opportunity to learn about leadership um, and then, um, and then it gave me a, a job, you know, right after I got out of, out right. of college. Are you so. still active with the ROTC as far as kind of that recruit? Like, is that something that you, you no. know, are an advocate for or, yeah. or is anybody that kind of goes through it just naturally? Yeah, you know, I, th an advocate? I think so. I think so. Uh, it's a great, it's a great program. 
um, because it pays for everything, um, you know, and, and there's different variations of it. So mine was federal. There's also a National Guard and a Reserve Scholarship. So, you know, if somebody's out there that wants to wants to serve and, and be an officer and go to college and everything like that, then they can do it, you know, one of three ways. And it's, it's a competitive process. Um, but it's one of those options that some people don't think about, especially from a small town. I mean, right. I don't know that anyone else, um, you know, I don't remember anyone else in our class or our, you know, our group of classes that we, when we were in high school that, that went through that process. Yeah. So especially when you don't have a, a junior ROTC program. So a lot of high schools have, you know, I've seen that at places. Yeah. yeah where we don't have that at Pratt. Yeah. Uh, or at least we didn't when, when we went through. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a good opportunity for kids to get get uh, get a scholarship and get paid for college. Yeah, and then so then you were we were talking about this a little bit yeah. ago. Um, you were kind of in that era of nine eleven right. as far as really hit right when mm-hmm. you know when when was that as far as your timeline? Yeah, um, you know in the ROTC right. college so, and then in the service after that. Yeah, so I'd already started um, had already started ROTC started college and everything. It was my junior year, and so I've you know, invested three years into ROTC, uh, when 9-11 happened. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't really an opportunity that I could, I mean, I could have, you know, said, Hey, this isn't for me. I signed up for a peacetime army and, and whatnot, but that's not what, you know, right. that's not what I felt. And that's not what I, I joined for. Um, so, so yeah, I, I remember, I mean, going to our ROTC class and basically just sitting, watching TV in a lounge and our professor would be like, Oh, this is you guys. And, you know, six months or yeah. a year. How, mu- how yeah. much did that change the overall atmosphere of, you know, your decision or, um, yeah. or did it? Or no, did I you always know that was a, <clears throat> a possibility? Yeah, I think I think I did. And, um, you know, what I related to, and, and we'll get these, you know, we'll get people that'll be like, um, you know, you tell them you're deploying or something like that. And they, a lot of times they want to, oh, that's too bad. And it's like, it's like telling a, a baseball player, or baseball players saying, hey, um, I'm going to the World Series or, you know, I'm going to the playoffs. And so right. I'm like, oh, that's too bad, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think um, soldiers and military personnel, I mean, I think we're some of the biggest advocates for peace. But at the same time, it's like this is what we train for. This is, you know, when we look at uh, our future or what we want to do, we want to, you know, basically prove ourselves in combat. I'd say the majority of people, you know, but at the same time, after you've been there and seen it, you, you know, you realize that, you know, peace is a pretty good thing. To right. And, and it's, you don't wish, you know, war on, on anybody or any nation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, kind of solidified my decision, um, you know, instead of turning, turning it the other way. Yeah. So, so then you go through graduate Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, where, then where do you go from there? Did you go off to Kentucky straight so, from Manhattan? So yeah. So from, from K-State graduating there, um, I went to, so the way it works is you get, um, you put a wish list of what you want to do in the army. And so, um, at the top of my wish list was aviation. I wanted to fly helicopters for the army. Where did that come from? So Just yeah. that desire to, <laughs> you know, yeah. to fly. Yeah. I wanted, you know, as a kid, I wanted to fly, um, my, my grandfather and an uncle had a private pilot's license. I never flew with them. Um, and I'd never really flown in a private plane before, but, um, it was just something that was just in my background. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to fly. And then, um, when I was in college, I did an internship and the, the gentleman that ran that inter- internship, he was a Vietnam, uh, vet and pilot for the army back in Vietnam. And so he had written a book and I read his book and was, was pretty excited about it and knew that's, 
that's probably what I wanted to do. So did you know it was helicopters at that point or were you just open to aviation in general and and had to choose then down the road? Um, so the army mostly has helicopters. They do have some fixed wing planes, um, but, but if you're going aviation in the army, chances are you're going to fly a helicopter. Um, there was an opportunity and we'll get into a second, but when I went to flight school to, to potentially fly an airplane, but, um, at the time I was like, you know what? I came to the army to fly helicopters now. So that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I realized later that, you know, as far as future career, like if I'd gone fixed wing, like it opens up a whole lot more doors than, than post military service. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I imagine there's, there's not, a lot more planes flying not, around. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of jobs out there for, uh, for helicopter guys. Yeah. Um, and people always act, Oh, can you fly, you know, EMS or, or whatever. The amount of hours to fly EMS is, um, at the time when I, when I got out of active duty, it was a lot more than what, what a person normally has. Um, so yeah, but a fixed wing, I could have gone, which is kind of funny because I could have gone flown, you know, for a fixed wing, um, outfit for a lot less hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but, uh, your deployment then, or yeah. how many deployments did you end up having? Uh, yeah. you get up there and, yeah, so, uh, which, where'd you say you were stationed at? You told me earlier. Yeah. So it was uh, Fort Campbell. So, okay. yeah. And just to backtrack just a little bit. So, um, so after ROTC and I graduated and commissioned, uh, in the army, then I went down to Fort Rucker, which is where, uh, aviation, army aviation school is at. And so you're down there for one to two years. I was able to get out of there in just over a year, which is almost the absolute quickest you can get, get through that program. Um, and it just, it wasn't, I wouldn't say anything because my skill, it just happened to be in the right place at the right time when, uh, when I went down there. And so um, just like you make a wish list of what branch you want to go in the army, when you're down there, you put a wish list out of where you want to get stationed after you're done with, with flight school. And so, um, at the time I really wanted to come back to Kansas. I mean, I love Kansas. My wife was still, um, she was at, uh, well, we weren't married yet, but, um, we were uh, engaged when we got down to flight school and, uh, she was in veterinary school at K-State. So I wanted to come back to Fort Riley. Uh, unfortunately there were no helicopters at Fort Riley at the time. So I put in to, uh, to go to Fort Campbell and join the 101st. So I went in to Fort Campbell, went to Fort Campbell uh, with the 101st, and then I was there for about nine months and then deployed to Iraq in 2005. And how long, how long was the de- deployment there for you? Yeah, so, so the de- that first deployment was uh, right, right at 12 months. Um, so we went into a place called Balad, um, which was basically the largest air base there in Iraq at the time in 2005, 2006. And then our mission... Uh, I was flying Blackhawks, um, for the, and for those that don't know, it's a kind of a medium-sized utility helicopter. So we can fit about 11 guys in the back, uh, plus our crew of two pilots and, and a crew chief and a door gunner when we're deployed. And, uh, and so our, our main mission really was we we're basically a big taxi cab. So we just take people from point A to point B, um, fly all over the country, uh, drop them off, pick them up, and sometimes it was uh, space available. And so it's like uh, whoever shows up at the, the the taxi stop or the bus stop, yeah, you know, is going to get on, and then we we fly them around. Um, every once in a while, we'd do uh, kind of like direct missions where we would support an infantry unit and uh, and like air assault them into an LZ. They'd go out and go do their thing, and then we'd pick them up and and take them back. Uh, but yeah, for the majority of it, it was uh, you're flying five six hours a day and probably about three four days a week. What do you do in your off days there? rest <laughs> really <laughs> yeah yeah and it was i mean it was a large enough base that um in your off days you would plan for the next mission um so a lot of times you'd plan for uh maybe somebody else that was already flying but you'd just do their planning for them uh make their routes and, and everything like that 
Um, there was a swimming pool and a movie theater on on the base there, so you could go do that. They had a, a post exchange, so you can go shopping if you wanted to. But yeah, yeah. For a lot, um, a lot of it, yeah. You're just you're resting and you know hanging around the 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 talk the yeah. operation center and, yeah. and you know just shooting the bull what's going on and so how how long did each deployment last for you yeah so that one was about a year and then um and you had at that point you had uh, a two week R&R rest and relaxation period so um and mine was pretty early on it was about 6 weeks in i actually came back and uh and then was home for about 2 weeks and then went went back over um after man it's probably i don't know 2010 2011 they got rid of the R&R process and they went to nine month deployments. And so, um, so my next deployment was in 2014 and that was a nine month deployment to Afghanistan. Okay. So, and that one I flew, um, medevac. So, um, again, for those that don't know, same aircraft in Blackhawk. Um, this time I've got a red cross painted on the side and on the nose. Um, of course the enemy, you know, over there doesn't really care that you're unarmed and right. not, but, um, but technically, um, having that red cross on the side, we are an unarmed aircraft. There was no offensive guns on it. So, uh, on my first deployment, we had, um, M240s, which are, uh, a 7.62 caliber machine gun that the door gunner and crew chief would, would have, uh, out the windows. Um, and that's just hand fired. I mean, it's, it's mounted to the aircraft, uh, on a swiveling mount. And, um, yeah, so you had a little more, um, capability to defend yourself if you had to. It wasn't, it wasn't really an offensive, still an offensive type of weapon, but um, you could defend yourselves a lot more. In the in the medevac, you don't have any guns mounted to the aircraft. So how, how different of a feeling is that? It's, flying, it is, yeah, it's flying naked, right? It, <laughs> you pretty know? much, yeah. It, you know, it's uh, it is one of those things that um, uh, getting into it. It's like, I mean, it, you know, you realize like, yeah, no one else is out here doing this kind of thing. You know, with with no real way to defend ourselves. I mean, we had personal weapons, but that was it. Right. Um, and, uh, and so we always tried to fly with, um, with armed aircraft, um, somebody that, you know, another aircraft that had the capability to defend us if, if we needed to. Uh, and for the most part, um, there wasn't any, we never had any huge issues in Afghanistan. Why, why um, is that? Why isn't the medevac equipped with, yeah, you so know, capabilities or is it a, it's a, it's kind of a, a, you know, going back to World War II and Geneva Convention. Is that a Geneva and, Convention yeah, type of rule? Yeah, is that if there's a if there's a red cross painted, you just on the hope side, everybody honors it. Then yeah, exactly. And you know, the problem with a lot of the conflicts today is, you know, you, you don't have state actors necessarily. You've got you know uh, terrorists or, or whatever kind of right. organizations that don't didn't sign up to the Geneva Geneva Convention. Yeah. So huh. yeah. So finish up through yeah. there. Uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Yep. Finish your. So how long was your total commitment there to to the army? Yeah. When, so, when did that end? Yeah. So I I got off active duty in so it would have been 2010 in July of 2010. So it was a it was a six year commitment, and that that time started after I finished flight school. So it ended up being a seven year commitment to active duty because I branched aviation. That's now gone up to ten years, which I'm glad I didn't get in in that period. Um, but yeah, so uh, so 2010 um, finished up on active duty, and um, uh, my wife, uh, she's a veterinarian, and so um, she had she had come out to Kentucky with me. Uh, we lived out there for a while, and then she was able to find a job back in the Kansas City area, and so that's where she's from. And um, I knew 
I knew hope. Well, I was hoping that her job would allow a greater income potential than what my job would be, and she couldn't do that if she if we were moving around with the army right the time. So, uh, so we made the decision that I'd come off active duty, and uh, then I joined the Kansas Guard at that point, and um, did another deployment in 2017 with the Kansas Guard to Kuwait. Okay, and so and that's I think kind of where we we mentioned last time. That's where. You know, I was planning, and I had some free time, and then that's kind of where the open range. Yeah, that's kind of seems came. like where the impetus of right. you know, hey, mm-hmm. when I get back, I want to do exactly. this. Uh, that kind of happened on that on that deployment. Yeah. yeah, and Kuwait's a desert, and I was like, man, where are there are other sandy roads out there. Oh yeah, you, oh. Can, ride, you can ride the sandy roads in Prague. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Uh, yeah. And we talked about this a little bit on the first one. Now, mm-hmm. kind of getting into the open range a little bit. Um, when did your kind of competitive? I don't, know, I don't know what do you call the competitive yeah. athletes sure. or yeah, um, endurance. That they, yeah. like really that kind of genre or category of yeah. people didn't even exist, at least not very popularly, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Like there wasn't no. CrossFit or right. there wasn't, you know, gravel races yeah. or, you know, kind of all the things you see today, the mud runs or right. the Spartan races. Yeah. Um, I don't know when it started. Yeah. I don't know when, you know, that whole, I would say, you know, probably – Man, middle two thousands is really when that kind of infant infancy of of those endurance type of events. Yeah, that's started. yeah endurance events. Yeah, because I know like um, and know, maybe being in the Midwest here, we, we didn't get right. as quick. You know, usually yeah, that stuff happens on the coast yeah. and then works its way in. Yeah, but you see, like um, you know, there's the, the big uh, bicycle race in Emporia, um, Unbound now, and, um, and is that what they changed the name yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. So okay. it was Dirty Kansas. Yeah. Now, now Unbound. Um, I think that one started in the like 2006 time frame. Yeah, that sounds about right. Right around the same time, there's a, a canoe and kayak race that I've done on the Missouri River from Kansas City to almost um, well to St. Charles, so almost St. Louis, 340 miles. Um, that one started right around the same time as that. So I think I think mid 2000s is really where that endurance uh, endurance sport started picking up. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of, and then it just took off. Then it's, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it's blown up to right. It, you know, what it, it is now. Yeah, it took a couple of years, but then you know, people started putting stuff together, and yeah, it's now it's you can't find a an empty weekend that doesn't have a race. Um, you know, even just a bike race in the in the Midwest. Right. You know, every single weekend between Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and, and Nebraska. It, there's a race. Yeah. What is, I think the first podcast we did, that was before the first event. Was that right? I don't think you'd done mm-hmm. one yet. I think it was leading up to I think, yeah. maybe that first event. So I really haven't had a chance to talk to you right. kind of to reflect yeah. on an event, sure. you know, which yeah. I, I remember after the first couple, uh, I was like, man, we need to do another one just yeah. to kind of gauge your, you know, talk yeah. to you afterwards. Cause I'm sure you learned a ton <laughs> from that first one. Probably not, the, the not lead up, yeah. I know the lead up to that first one <laughs> right. was kind of like, Oh, cause like you said, you were mm-hmm. away in Kuwait yeah. planning half of it from yeah. Google maps and right. Google earth. And yeah. And Making then the uh, phone calls halfway around the world. Yeah. And, so yeah. to actually then have that first one pull off with the success that yeah. it did and no hiccups really that right. were noticeable, you know, I'm right. sure there probably was some behind yeah. the scenes. There always is. Yeah. Um, so how, that, what was that feeling like after yeah. that first, oh, after man. that last rider came in right. at, yeah. you know, on, on race day? Oh, that such, first a, such race. a relief. Such a relief. So, yeah. So the funny thing, and I've, I've shared this with some people, and I can't remember if we shared this before, um, but because of the way that first, that first year worked, I mean, I came back from Kuwait right around this time of the year, so right around the middle of March, and it was the end of April. So we had six weeks of when I got, you know, back in the, on the ground in Kansas uh, to, to really, you know, make sure everything worked. I had, I'd wanted to go to a bike race and actually ride in a, 
by Chris because it was something probably be I, pretty good homework yeah, for you know, somebody who's putting on a race. On. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the one weekend I was going to do it, um, I got sick and I just was not in the shape to travel. Uh, I think it was, it was going to be like down in Wichita or something. I think you might have. Did you do the. the I, that was the Rage Against the Chain. Against the chain yeah. yeah, it was one of those that yeah. I did. Yeah. So I think it was. I think it was one of those, and I just. I. I couldn't. Couldn't do it, and. Uh, and so I mean, and to, to preface it, I've been to numerous you know kayaking endurance races, um, and so I kind of knew the format. Right. Um, and I did a ton of research and watched videos and and you know um, tried to to figure out as much as I could about about the sport of cycling. But yeah, I'd never been to a an actual gravel bike race before we'd had the open range was the first one one. yeah (laughs) i bet most i bet there's not too many race directors that can say that no no and i hope it doesn't make me i mean you know if someone wants to call it being a fraud then fine but um you know i i think we put on a pretty good event uh, oh it went went great yeah and and i like i said i'd been to enough i've been to enough endurance type of events that um it really is the same type of people um go to those i mean whether you're kayaking down the missouri river or you're riding through uh the gypsum hills or the flint hills or or wherever it's a lot of times it's just you know guys and gals that want to do something hard right yeah and you know where that comes from i don't know if that's you know part of our you know, uh, DNA that's, that we've kind of lost through the ages of, you know, having to go out and, and hunt and kill your meal and drag it home, you know, with a club and everything. And, and, uh, you know, now every, everything's kind of given to us, right. Almost. And, uh, you know, I think there's still that desire to want to push the limits and push yourself and, and see what you can, you know, what your body's capable of. And so I think that's, I think that's as, as the society's become a more automated and, and more easy, if you will, um, I think that's what people are still longing for is that, that, that hardness of, of something, you know. Oh yeah. There's, when life. you get done with a race like that, you right. know, whether it's anything like mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, just kind of gratitude that you're like, man, I did that. You know, yeah. that's, I trained for that. Right. I did that. It was hard, yeah. you know, but I didn't quit. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I remember I did it two years. Yeah. The first year me and Dusty mm-hmm. Beam did it. Yeah. Um, you know, and Dusty, I didn't know if he was going to make it. He was riding right. a fat bike. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, but he made and it. Was, and it was like, man, like, and when you do it with somebody yeah. else too, uh, I think that's a huge difference. I yeah. went over and rode that uh, Rage Against the Chain ring uh-huh. by myself and didn't, and that's completely different right. riding solo when you don't have yeah. friends or, yeah. you know, someone to kind of, yep. you know, help you when you do start mentally, mm-hmm. you know, like, man, I, and then the next year when we rode in it, it was the year. Let's see. Was that the second year that it got moved from COVID? Uh, it, uh, yes. Yeah. So that one or ended no, up. Third, I'm sorry. Was it the third year, was, year yeah. in June or? It was the one that went to June. June. Yeah. And me and my brother, Josie, yes. rode in that yeah. one. And that one, it, you know, it was 100 degrees right. that day. Right. And I didn't think, I, I don't think I would have made that if Josie <laughs> was riding with me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I thought I was cramping up and yeah. I had to take a few breaks and lay on the side of the road. Right. And, right. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. But like I said, when you get done with it, yeah. you know, it's like, man, I'm glad I didn't quit because, yeah. you know, I would regret of it right and, and you know to go back to the yeah after that first year um man yeah it was such a relief to have that last rider come across and you know like i said we haven't done everything perfect you learn uh, as things go along um but we try to create an event that that uh that riders like and they want to come back for well um, i think the numbers but, each year yeah, have yeah. proven <laughs> that you know that it is a popular race yeah. so what was it was there anything that stands out from that first year that you learned that you're like man okay next year we've got to do this, or I want to tweak that. Or was it pretty yeah. clean enough that you're like, you know what, we're not going to tweak for, it this much. For the most part, uh, we had a contingency for anything that kind of kind of came up. 
Um, one thing we've tweaked a little bit is, you know, we say it's a 12 hour cutoff, uh, from, uh, when the race starts to, you know, if, if you don't make it in 12 hours, it's, you know, you're on your own. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, man, if somebody's out there and they're, they're making progress, you know, we're going to, we're going to stick around. Right. Uh, whether it's just me at the finish line, you know, by myself and a, and a flashlight or, or what, you know, um, we're going to make sure. Uh, we got somebody there, um, and we're going to try and give them a you know an official time at least if they're going to make the effort to do that. Yeah. Um, not being said, if you're lollygagging at a checkpoint, then you know I'm not going to have as much uh, yeah <laughs> con- con- concern, I guess. But uh, yeah, you know, as long as they're making making progress and everything, then it's going to be you know there's going to be speaking somebody. of you know you at the finish line. That's something yeah. that I think we talked about mm-hmm. it the first time. But the the chocolate milk at the uh, finish line yeah. is <laughs> I, I just think that's pretty neat. You know, I thought that yeah. was pretty cool, and it's something that you've kept right. you know with each race. And yeah, you yeah. know, you're there at the finish line mm-hmm. greeting each rider with a yeah. you know a hug or a high mm-hmm. five and, yeah. a, and a chocolate. Ball. Milk, and, milk yeah uh, that that's kind of neat for anybody who hasn't been down there and yeah seen that. Uh, it's, it's interesting because when our um uh, you know when our volunteers i told them that i wanted to do this and they kind of looked at me like chocolate milk really like you know they immediately think like dry mouth you know when you had milk before you know right. wrestling practice or football practice is like not the best thing to do um but i was like no it's, it you've got to try it like, like you've just gone through and, and sweated out all these nutrients and stuff like that and man there's just nothing better and it usually no matter how bad your stomach um, doesn't feel like eating food, or at least for me, anyways, um, man, I could always down a bottle of chocolate milk, probably. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, and then as far as some of the other changes um, since we've talked last, you've added. Let's see, the touring edition, right? Is something new? Two years? Is that two years old? Yeah, or? this will be the this will be the third year for it. That sounds like a neat option to oh, me. Man, I think if yeah. I keep trying to work it out to where yeah. me and my brothers can all yeah. get here and, and do that and mm-hmm. go at more of a, a leisurely pace yeah. and camp out. Right. And, it's uh, if I would, and I tell, I tell everybody this, if I was to do, do the race, I would do the tour option. If I had the ability to, you know, have somebody else run the thing for yeah. the day. Um, Cause that, man, it's just, it's so much fun. And I just, I love the course and you get to see it and experience it at your own pace and not have to worry about, you know, timelines or anything like that. Um, and it's funny, it's like, you know, the first two years we had, I think right around 20 people. And then this year I was like, let's, let's open this up a little bit more. And so we have 60 people signed up for the tour. Oh, really? I had checked yeah. the registration lately to yeah. see how many you had yeah. in that. So, so 60 people. And what's cool is that they almost become like a family. So when they leave, like, yeah, you've got some fast people. Um, at least that's how it worked with, with having 20. You know, with 60, we might have some some groups, you know, um, but it's people that have never met each other before, and they all of a sudden become, you know, great friends on this on this ride. Yeah, uh, explain that touring option just yeah, briefly, What kind sure. of what we're talking about for anybody yeah, so who doesn't gonna, know what it is. They're going to leave on Friday, uh, Friday morning, and they're going to ride the same course as the normal race, the 200-kilometer course, which ends up being about 126 miles. Um, but they're going to take two days. So they're going to ride uh, from the start on the course all the way down to uh, the Jip Hills Guest Ranch, which is just southwest of Medicine Lodge. And it ends up being about 80 miles that first day. Um, and then down there, they'll have a uh, catered dinner uh, and a, a catered breakfast. Um, they can, we let them either, if they want to carry their, all their equipment with them, they can do that. If they want to drop it off ahead of time and pick it up after the ride, that's fine too. Um, Andrea down there at the Jip Hills Guest Ranch, she opens up uh, the event center and they can, you know, put their stuff in there as they as they need, and um, it stays secure down there for them. And they they go down and you know camp overnight, get some good meals, and then the next day they get up and do 
do about another 50 miles or so, 45, 50 miles. Yeah, I think that to me, that'd be the way to. Yeah. Because then, you, like you said, you get the full course. Right. You, you know, the two times I've mm-hmm. done it, I've just done the 100K route. And yeah. I'm still dying to get, <laughs> you know, and get on the, right. you know, the Red Hills there, yep. you know, Brian's yeah. land and yeah. see what, you know. Oh, I'm, I, maybe I'm not, though. Sometimes it's no. <laughs> what, is that the grassful? Is That's that the what they've yeah. that so they termed a, that? Right. We had a rider. We have a, have a rider. Um, I think he's almost made it every year um, out from, um, he's out from Western Kansas, uh, Sublette area. And, uh, and so he made a video post uh, the first year we did the grassful section, which I think was 2020. I think that was the COVID year. And um, and uh, so he made this funny, this really funny video uh, where he shows. And the grassful is, it's a mixture of grass and gravel. Um, well, really, there's really no gravel, uh, just grass, uh, where Brian has mowed a path through his pasture to connect either to connect some ranch roads or to connect a cattle trail. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, we've got that, uh, that grassful section there, but I tell you, I, the times I've ridden that, like, I just have a huge smile on my face. Like it is, it is, it is work, but it is so much fun. Well, and it's, you know, it's land and yeah. trails that you're not going to get a ride any other right. time of the year, you know, right. with being private land. So it's neat that you're yeah. able to get some of those land owners to open up yeah. you know, some of their land and let people kind of get a view and access to right. roads and routes that you normally mm-hmm. wouldn't get to. Yeah. And that's key for us, um, is, is our landowner relationship. And, and, um, we're so thankful for having their, their permission and blessing. Um, cause we have over 15 miles of private ranch land, which, um, I don't, I haven't done all the research because it's, uh, you know, there's so many races out there, but I would have a hard time finding another race, I think, that has that much private land access. And we don't have to open gates because it's all cattle guard crossings. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's, you know, it's a special area for those that have been down there before. Um, uh, Brian Alexander's and Alexander Ranch, uh, the Red Hills Rancher, that land is is really cool. Um, And then as they get closer to Medicine Lodge, um, there's about – another six or seven landowners we have to get permission from. And, um, and that area is, is just as well remarkable, just, you know, awe-inspiring sites. That yeah. That's what I, yeah. I'd like to get, and it's get funny because, you know, I've got pictures, um, like my zoom background when I'm, when I'm doing zoom meetings is, is a picture from the red Hills. And oh, really? People always ask, man, where, where is that? Yeah. Are you like, at Utah somewhere? Yeah, like, or what? Uh, that's, that's Kansas. And they're like, what? Really? That's Kansas? Like, yeah. Yeah. So people, I mean, people are so used to seeing the Flint Hills um, that, I mean, not very many people come, even people that live in Wichita have never been down to the, the Jip Hills and uh, and seen that area. And so they're just, I think they're all taken back. They're just like, wow, this yeah. is not what I expected. Are you able to gauge from the kind of the numbers that you get on the back end, how many of the riders are return riders and kind of what that rate of return is, yeah, or is yeah. that something you, yeah, you look at? Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. So I've got that statistics in our, our registration site and uh, it's been a while since I looked at it, but man, I think I want to say like 60%, somewhere between 40 and 60% are, are return riders. So yeah. it's a good, I mean, and that's what makes me, me, I don't say validated, but it makes me feel good. Like, all right, you know, I put on this event and you know, if no one comes back, then, then that is kind of reflection. Yeah, on me, that's, that the, that's right, feedback you know? in itself. Right, but uh, but yeah, you get these people that come back, and we've got seven riders uh, this year that have that have done and completed the 200k course every single year. Wow, including 2020 when it was 100 degrees. Wow, uh, in June. What's the rider count at this year? So what? You looked. Yeah, 479. 479 riders. Total riders. Total riders. On, on both routes. Yeah, yeah, on the whole thing. So. Last year we were at 412. Okay, uh, was where we finished up with, um, 
do you usually get, you know, 10% of that not show up? Yeah, or? yeah, we get anywhere between 10 and 20% that, that uh, for one reason or another, um, don't show up. And, um, you know, we don't give refunds. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, when I, I do a lot of races myself, um, and I it's kind of the thing I understand. Like, you know, if I put in for a race and like, I can't make it for some reason, like, okay, you know, it, at least money's going hopefully to a good right. cause or, or, you know, just to, to further the sport. So, uh, like for us, we, you know, we donate to, to three really decent charities, um, really good charities, uh, Pratt Public School Foundation, um, you know, is our main sponsor or main uh, benefactor, I guess you'd say. Um, and so, um, so majority of our, our proceeds go to go to them. And then um, the places that do our checkpoints, they get, uh, we donate to them as well. And so the Father's House of Worship down in Sun City. They do an amazing job down there, um, super friendly and everything. And so, you know, we donate to them and then donate to a, an organization in Barbara County as well for the. How, how much money have you been able to give back over the yeah. course? Of, or is that something yeah, you, yeah. Know, you don't mind? No. So, yeah, over, because I've, I've made this public knowledge, but yeah, over um, over four years, we've donated over $20,000 uh, to, uh, to these organizations. Wow. So, yeah, it makes, I mean, um, you know, <laughs> for. for when I was planning this for our first year, like I, I thought we might break even, like I thought maybe we're going to break even if not, then I'm going to, you know, one, I'm going to pay to make sure the whole, every, every logistical thing in the race was taken care of. And then I was going to feel bad that we couldn't raise any money for these charities. And so then I was going to probably write another check to these charities, you know, for, Just, for helping us out and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, to be able to, to raise the amount of money we have just, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, just, that's great. Yeah. That's great. What, uh, yeah. this year you've got a juniors division, which is we new. Do. And then did you add, let's see, last year was the, did you add the military and first responders? Yeah. Yep. Uh, a couple new yeah. divisions there. Yeah. So sure. So yeah, last year, um, you know, the great thing about being a race director is you kind of get to make up the rules. And so, um, I was like, you know, I went to a race once where they had a, a military, uh, category and, you know, having served in the military and, and still serving, um, is something that's important to me. And, and here's, you know, uh, people that put their life on the line and, you know, whether it's military or first responder, put their life on the line. And, uh, I think we deserve to recognize them a little bit. And so again, since I'm the race director, I say, we're going to do it and we're going to do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So we created a first responder military category last year. Uh, we give them a reduced rate. Um, it's on an honor system, which again, we've never had an issue with right. you know, anyone taking, a, taking advantage of that. Um, so they get a reduced rate for, for doing the 200 K and, um, yeah, this year we've got 20, I think 21 in that category. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't at the, uh, the race last year. Do you want, do you recognize them at the race or the starting line, that we, group of we first responders we or anything or no, we, we, we haven't. Um, although maybe not a bad idea. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't I, I know like, if that was a wave that yeah. you're like, Hey, you know, here right. comes, you know, this group here goes the juniors. Group. Yeah. Go, you or, know, we do, a, we kind of do a mass start. So, um, that's true. That, you know, it, it, to to let them go in front, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we'd yeah. do that. Yeah, but, but I think I think we did last year. Just mentioned, you know, um, that last year was the was the first year we had the um, the military and first responders, just so people were were aware of it. Yeah, yeah. And then this year, I had a uh, gentleman reach out to me about doing a juniors category, so uh, like a high school age category. So we implemented that this year. Um, and we don't have huge numbers. I think we've got three, so yeah. hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to fill oh, it's got to start somewhere. Yeah, it's got to start somewhere. Um, you know, anytime getting kids on bikes is, is a good thing mm -hmm. and getting them set up with a healthy lifestyle. Um, and there's really nothing better than, than riding your bike. I mean, it's, 
you know, for the most part, doesn't cost a lot of money, doesn't take any gas. You just get on it and go. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. You know, we still got some, reg- we got time, so we still may get some more kids registered. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be cool to, to yeah, that'll be, a, that'll yeah. be a neat addition. And they're going to be on the, they'll be on the shorter course. So the, the 100 K, um, you know, they're, they're the only competitive category we have, we have on that course. Um, the rest of it, the 100 K is a kind of a non-competitive, um, we do, we do time people, so they'll still, you know, know what their time right. is and have bragging rights, that, you know, that you beat Dusty or whatever. Right. Or say, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, but yeah, that that juniors will be will be competitive, and and the reason for that being non competitive is is um, I wanted I wanted people if they wanted to do a competitive course to do the two hundred because it really is a cool you know a cool course and the one hundred course is, is is pretty cool too. Yeah, the two hundred you're going to see a lot more. Uh, interesting areas yeah and so um and then also you know as we manage as we manage income and donations and stuff like that it's it's kind of choosing and and figuring out where the best bang for the buck is um and we felt it more important to donate money to teachers and some other organizations than paying for uh podium awards yeah for that 100k so for those that are interested that's that's pretty much the reason why we do it um you know and and we think that's a good good compromise between the two yeah well it's you know racing in a couple years and mm-hmm. i think yeah the year i didn't race so because carrie helps out with the boards so usually mm-hmm. we're down there helping out or doing what we can um and yeah it's so far it's been a great event and always yeah. looking forward to it and it's just something different for right. pratt you know right. it's not we, we have plenty of ball tournaments and yeah you know things like that and uh, yeah. uh this is something that brings a totally different crowd and a right. different atmosphere and a you know mm-hmm. different feeling to it that you know, we get to see once a year, but not very often. Um, and this year, I think Pratt's going to get to see a little bit more of yeah. it um, yeah. with kind of the change right, this right. year. If you want to talk on that a little bit, sure. usually we're down at Lemons Park, but we are, yeah. we've got a we've got a change of venue here. We do, we do. So, um, in fact, we'll probably just leave it to, to this podcast to make the official announcement. But we're going to move. Here we go. <laughs> you heard it, <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So uh, that's right. We're going to move. Uh, the start finish is going to be in the downtown area of Pratt. Uh, and for those who don't know, Pratt is really not that big of a town. So we're talking like three quarters of a mile difference between Lemon Park and the downtown area. And it's a short three uh, three quarters of a mile. Um, it's really probably closer to about half a mile difference. So um, so logistically, it's not that, that different. But um, what we wanted to do is we want to create a way to have more community interaction. Um, we like the park. It's... Uh, a lot of shade and trees down there, uh, but there's a couple things logistically made it difficult. One, uh, it's just kind of isolated, um, which is good and bad. But you know, we want uh, we want both the community of Pratt to to experience our riders, and we want our riders to experience the community of Pratt. And so, I think by having it downtown, it's going to kind of open that up, and, and riders are going to be able to walk you know walk down Main Street and uh, go into shops and whatnot and see what a small town's like. Because I'd say the majority majority of our riders are from you know, a metropolis, uh, Wichita, Kansas City. Uh, we've got a lot from Chicago coming down. This really? Year. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing a, a – there's a group that's doing the tour um, that's out of Chicago. Um, but, you know, we've got riders from Dallas and all over, but but a majority of them are from, from larger communities. And so for them to experience, you know, small town, Main Street, USA – um, I think is going to be kind of a cool, cool thing to do. So, yeah, that'll that'll be neat to get everybody yeah. out of town. And so I, I wish we could, I wish we could close down Main Street for this. Uh, but you know, with it being a, a U.S. highway, you can't really do that. Yeah, kind of frown on that. So, um, so we're going to have it one block off in front of the municipal building, which is where people have uh, 
uh, when they check in uh, in the past on Friday night before we've had that for the last two years. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be right there. We'll still have a band and food truck and, and all that stuff and, and whatnot. And I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a pretty cool um, pretty cool deal to yeah. I think there. it'll be so. a I think it'll be a neat change of, of scenery. And one of the things yeah. we talked about mm-hmm. that would be a little different was that kind of sprint to the finish. Yeah, that yeah. people are used to. You know, especially if you're right. on the competitive end. Yeah. You know, a lot of us that aren't don't right. mind the you know, <laughs> but having a having a nice long yeah. stretch of a straightaway. Right. Um, I think will really add some excitement to some you know, of those and, finishes. Yeah, and and having it at the uh, at the park. You know, you kind of when you came in. It's it just it was hard for even us, you know, that were working it as volunteers and the staff to see when riders were coming in because they had to make that turn. Um, and so now, yeah, they're gonna there's gonna be I don't know, I need to measure it, but it's I think at least a mile long straightaway of brick road with no stop signs uh, that they'll be able to sprint down or sprint up because it it will be an uphill yeah. finish on brick. So, uh, so just when you think you've got hard enough, you got to go up right. a little bit. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that'll be a fun addition. But to uh, it. it'll keep you from running into Main Street and uh, <laughs> traffic anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be a good. Uh, uh, you know what? And if it, um, if we if we find out that we didn't like it, and we like the park better, um, because at the end of the day, like this race is for the mid the mid pack riders, the guys that you know aren't really out there. Um, we, we do have people that want to ride as fast as they can and we we uh reward that but uh you know i want i want the majority of people to have a good time and um, wh- whatever that means you know whatever that entails is what we're, we're going to try and do so oh, i think it'll be great yeah. and uh yeah i you know glad you sat down with me today or yeah. over went over a lot of that stuff and it's an event that yeah. like i said always look forward to coming to pratt and Still haven't decided if I'm riding in it, but Josie is. He signed oh, good. up. Yeah, that's right. uh, I that's saw right. he's on it. I don't think Bo's going to be able to make it back, but yeah, um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we've got 15 different states represented, so it's uh, that's pretty neat. It's it's cool to bring that many. And I I tried checking one of the hotels; it's already sold out. There's a lot going on that day here in Pratt. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be, be a busy day. You know, but our first year was busy. We had yeah, you know, baseball tournaments and and everything. So we got a, what a car show this year. At Children's I, I can't Fair. remember what it is. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going yeah. on, but it's just. That's you know, what this town more does. the merrier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I appreciate, you know, you having this platform, uh, to get out there. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. And, oh, well, thank you. And so, uh, I, lo- I love what you're doing here and having this studio is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. To, makes it fun to be able yeah. to do this and watch, watch traffic on Main yeah, Street. Yeah. And, uh, it's great. <laughs> any of the, yeah. And any of you riders are back yeah. here. Uh, yeah. We're on Main Street. Come That's check right. us out. Um, yeah. But yeah. Go to Legends. For, and, yeah. Uh, I, come fact, to I Legends. Was, I was just there today and had my uh, my uh, obligatory bourbon burger and yep. uh, sweet potato fries. There you go. It was, uh, it was quite delicious. Yeah. We look forward to, <laughs> to seeing all the riders in town. And uh, what's the date? What's yeah, the official April, date? April 30th. April 30th. Any other so, uh, info as far as yeah, Facebook, sure. Instagram, yeah. uh, where can people go to find out or register right. or before we yep. get out of here? Plug, yeah. plug as much of that as you can. Yeah. So we're, we got a, uh, a website openrangegravel.com it's also our handle on instagram and facebook so at open range gravel um and yeah our registration is at uh, bikereg.com slash open range 22 um but you can also get there by going to our website every single post i put on instagram and, and facebook have our website uh on there so um there shouldn't be any any issue with trying to find and how to register because right. it's all it's all right there right so yeah, we still got um, we still got spots available. It's filling up fast, but uh, yeah, I think we'll uh, I think we'll end up 
maxing our, our registration well, good. this year. So good. We, did, we did last year, and I think we'll do it again this year. Well, good. So, yeah, I think if you haven't ridden in this and are yeah, on the fence, right. people, it's it's worth it's riding awesome. in. It's, yeah. You're going to see parts of Kansas oh, that yeah. you didn't think existed. And, yep. uh, I mean, like you said, it's not a super competitive race if you don't want it mm-hmm. to be, and it's it's a good time. So yeah. uh, looking forward to being yeah. there. and Awesome. Hoping it goes great. I'm yeah. sure it will. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks, Eric. Yep. Take care.